Hey, are you looking to upgrade your key life areas and evolve to a higher level of existence? To practically harness personal growth and spirituality in a crazy, busy, imperfect world? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Prash and this is Urban Spirituality, the show which uniquely fuses ancient wisdom with contemporary self-growth and spiritual disciplines to deliver value-added tools, traits, and insights to help you unleash your fullest potential. We always keep it real, featuring authentic, unfiltered dialogue with guests from diverse backgrounds to inspire, entertain, and enlighten all who listen. So get ready for your dose of urban spirituality. Be present and let's dive in. Let me start with something that I think many of us can relate to. Who's sat through a movie while munching any kind of movie, while munching their dinner, while having a great big bowl of popcorn or having their dinner and sitting at the TV, kind of watching TV and having a meal, right? Most of us. Who's read a book while watching TV? Who's had a conversation, okay, let's get honest, who's had conversations with their friends face-to-face while keeping one eye on the phone, like just kind of catching things here and so like, uh, yep, yep, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who's done that? Folks, those are all examples of what mindfulness is not. And the fact of the matter is, so many of us, myself included, are so guilty of doing this, right? Are there not times where we perhaps didn't give as much attention to that person that we were having this conversation with? Or are there not times where we didn't really get fully into something? Because either we weren't into it, we were forced into it, we were dragged into it, or we just couldn't be bothered. Or we, this, or it was worse, this was the only way we knew how, right? To multitask. These are all examples of what mindfulness is not. And I want to share, again, something that you might relate to. How many of you out there have been through your wedding ceremony do you remember that time for those of you who have or those of you who attended a wedding and seen it happen up close and personal have you seen when the bride and groom are exchanging their vows have you noticed how they literally have no other focus other than each other's eyes they're just saying their vows to each other eye to eye and their focus is entirely in the emotion and the feeling the sensation at that time or maybe you've experienced this when we make love and you're with somebody that you cherish. You're having a meaningful connection with them. And in that moment of making love, nothing else matters. Not that mortgage that you've got to pay. Not that job that you just lost. Not those debts that you've got on your head. Not those people who are chasing you. Nothing. Just you and that person. Just eye to eye, heart to heart, making love. That is an example of what mindfulness can be like. That is an analogy of mindfulness. So look, let me start with a definition of mindfulness. There are so many definitions, but let's start with one that I think serves the purpose for this conversation here really well. Mindfulness is the awareness and approach to life that arises from paying attention on purpose, paying attention on purpose deliberately to be present in the moment, that is here and now, not in the past, not in the future, learning to relate to our thoughts and feelings with curiosity and compassion, thus becoming more aware of them rather than caught up in them, thus being able to manage them. Let me say that again. Mindfulness is the awareness and approach to life that arises from paying attention on purpose 
to be present in the moment, learning to relate to our thoughts and feelings with curiosity and compassion, thus becoming more aware of them rather than being caught up in them and thus being able to better manage them. And that's what mindfulness comes into. So first of all, let me say this. Why even bother? Why even bother? Hey, big shout to Alex. Alex is tuned in. Alex, welcome. If you're able, press that button and join in this conversation. It'd be lovely to have you. Um, welcome everybody who's come in. So let's talk about why even bother. What is this mindfulness thing? Is mindfulness and meditation the same thing? No, not exactly. And we'll cover that in a second. Although opinions vary. But there are so many myths about mindfulness. Is mindfulness a religious thing? No, it's not a religious thing. Do religions practice mindfulness? Do they have mindful practices? Yes. Is it a religious thing? No, it is not to do with that. So let's cover a little bit here. Let's cover what mindfulness, why even bother with mindfulness? So firstly, I could sit here and spend this whole session on why we should even bother with mindfulness. Let me go through a few reasons why Mindfulness is such an important thing for pretty much everyone out there, pretty much all human beings, from people who are in their first year, first primary school, right up to people who are in their advanced stages of life can benefit from mindfulness. Let me give you a few reasons why mindfulness. Firstly, stress and anxiety levels. They're at a pandemic level. I don't need to tell you that. You know how much stress and anxiety is prevalent in our society today and you probably know people who have it maybe yourself secondly peer pressure and family pressure to earn more get more way less look prettier you know all of these pressures are higher than ever we're being forced not deliberately but just by society to achieve these things that are really adding more pressure to us more and more people are suffering from depression mental health and other issues such as add this is on the up, folks. It's not on the down. And medication isn't keeping up with the number of people who are having this. Poor sleep and related problems. That's a massive thing at the moment. There are so many people with poor sleep and it's up on the rise. Many people are ruled by their negative emotions. This is another major problem. How many people do you know out there are ruled by their emotions? They're suffering because they're making poor decisions based on their knee-jerk reactions to stuff. They're having fallouts with friends or family members or work colleagues. You're having poorer health. So many other real consequences. This is all happening because we're being ruled by negative emotions in the moment. The list just goes on and on, but I wanted to give you an insight into these key factors, why mindfulness is so important and so needed at the moment in light of all these pandemics that are going on. All right. So let's talk about what the benefits are of mindfulness. What benefits can it bring? Well, firstly, a dramatic reduction in stress and anxiety. This has been proven. There are many, many studies, both anecdotal and scientific, where people have studied the reduction in stress and anxiety by bringing about and introducing a mindfulness practice in our lives. Secondly, a healthier relationship with our body and mind, leading to better emotional and physical health. This is a well-documented thing that the more mindful we become, the healthier we make choices in our eating, in our nutrition, and our physical health as well. All of these benefits come about because we've improved our mindfulness. 
Third benefit, it's proven to counteract depression and other mental health illnesses. This is proven in many different countries that have introduced mindfulness practices as part of their rehab routine, both in addiction clinics, in prisons, and even regular NHS and public health organizations are rapidly increasing and embracing their mindfulness offerings to inpatients and outpatients. Another benefit, significant improvement in the quantity and quality of our sleep. We know that sleep is one of the key things that is overlooked and causing a big problem for us at the moment. Because it's not just the quantity of sleep, it's the quality. So becoming more mindful will help us to improve both the quality and the quantity of our sleep. Another major benefit is improved personal relationships. Guess what? When you're less likely to be triggered by knee-jerk reactions due to emotions that are firing inside you, the more likely you are to able to respond from a more calm and centered way. As you do so, you communicate more effectively and people and you're able to also listen more effectively and more productively, which means you're a better communicator, a better listener, and this helps obviously on the personal and professional front right? Also, increased productivity. Because listen, increased productivity comes from a better centered state. You're less likely to procrastinate when you're able to make faster decisions and act. So mindfulness helps us to make better decisions because it brings us back to the self. It improves our intuition, our cognition, and our intellectual faculties. As these improve, we're able to focus better. And as we focus better, we're able to make better decisions. And as we can make better decisions, we start to become more productive because we cut out those things that are not serving us and focus on the things that are. So naturally, there's an increase in productivity. And I do a whole course on productivity. It's one of my passions, actually, because I was the most unproductive damn person I knew for years, even in corporate, even in my corporate life. So getting into being productive is such a key thing. So again, mindfulness helps us to become more productive. The list just goes on and on, but those are some of the key benefits you can get from embracing a mindfulness practice. All right. So I want to share, I want to just remind you that you're welcome to ask any questions. I'm keeping one eye on the feet. If you have any questions around mindfulness, just drop them here, here. I'd love to answer any questions you have around the act of being mindful and the act of meditation. And obviously this is going to be something we're going to cover in more detail and expand upon on our retreat that's taking place at the fantastic one and only carbon venue at Chantry House from the 15th to the 17th of November. Next month we'll be spending two nights from Friday till Sunday expanding our knowledge, our awareness, and our ability to embrace practices around mindfulness, meditation, inner and outer wellness. My good friend Alex Reed will be on hand. Alex will be bringing his stable of personal and physical skills to the table to help us to improve in all these areas, physically, mentally, spiritually. I'll be doing the stuff with him. Alex does ask, uh, Alex, great question. Does mindfulness stop depression? Mindfulness can contribute to reducing depression. This is well known because when people who are able, um, this has actually been shown with people who have, for example, bipolar depression. When they're able to be in that state, when they're on that low and they're taught using anchors and other NLP techniques, how to be able to take a few moments to take a breath and be in a mindful state. If they're taught a mindfulness practice, the the low and sinking feeling that de that depression has brought about is alleviated. It is reduced. It is mitigated. So it's not necessarily a, re a replacement 
for all SSRIs or other antidepressives, but it can really help to balance it and reduce it. So yes, it's definitely a key benefit. Mindfulness will bring that. Any other questions? Chime those questions in. Dementia. So here's an interesting thing. Mindfulness and the meditation practice that go with mindfulness help to fire certain pathways, neural pathways that have become dilapidated or poor over time. So by refiring both hemispheres of the brain, by getting our brain into a deeper state that is relaxed alpha, because getting mindful and becoming, um, getting into a meditative state helps us to get into lower brainwave states. Lower brainwave states, that is getting into relaxed alpha, then into theta, and then ultimately into gamma, are associated with a lot of regeneration in the brain. And neurons, neural pathways are formed that are more conducive to learning. And therefore, indirectly, it can start to help with dementia as well, to counteract dementia. So there are so many benefits, so many, many benefits of being mindful. And opinions vary on how long and how much, but I want to share some ideas as to what we can do and what we could do to start to bring about a mindful state. So let me share a few of these. You stayed with me this far, and I really want to reward you by sharing some that I've used myself in my own life and that I've shared with countless clients along the years that I've been coaching and I've had the privilege of coaching and consulting both in companies and privately. And the amount of people who come and say that they struggle with even sitting for meditation for five to 10 minutes, and then who start to learn a process. We work with them on that. We show them how to do that. And Alex, you know this, we did this on our Hungary retreat not more than a month ago. We were out there guiding people through meditation, working with them to become more mindful and in a more centered state. And we saw the benefits because obviously those wonderful people are our friends. They're back here and their lives are already improved. So let's go through some ways in which we can learn to be more mindful and start to put it practice in our life because that's what urban spirituality is all about it's putting into practice these esoteric applied psychology or spiritual concepts and bringing about positive tangible change in our lives on a day-to-day basis okay so method number one schedule being in the now by tuning into your body let me repeat that method number one of how to be mindful This is not in a particular order, but I want to go through some key ones. Schedule being in the now by tuning into your body. There's a fantastic book, by the way. Many of you will know it. Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. He goes into a lot of this stuff in great detail. He borrows from Buddhist traditions, uh, which talk about Vipassana, Hindu traditions, Jain traditions, Christian traditions, the Benedictine monks, the Sufi tradition from Islam. Many of these traditions, the Native Americans, the shamans, a lot of these cultures had a lot of emphasis on being in isolation, being by ourselves and spending time by ourselves with ourselves and just our mind. And in a sense, you can argue that prayer is a form of mindfulness. When you're praying, you're meant to be single pointedly having a conversation with God, supposedly, right? So that is a form of mindfulness. But I want to specifically talk about a few important forms of mindfulness. So one, schedule being in the now by tuning into our body. A simple way to do this One, turn off all your devices and distractions. Two, focus on your breath, your in-breath, your out-breath. Notice how that breath is coming in through your nostrils, the warmth of the air as it comes through your nostrils. Breathing out through your mouth, then feel that air coming out through pursed lips. 
or if you're breathing out with an open mouth, notice the sound it makes. Listen. So what you're doing is you're tuning your senses and consequently your mind into the physical activity that is happening, which is simplified just to breathing. There are many other things going on, but we're only focusing on that breath. Breathing in. Breathing out. Let me tell you that just trying to do this for two to three minutes in itself is powerfully affecting on the body and the mind. Just two to three minutes can have a major benefit. What we want to do is get into the habit of doing this for two, three, four, five minutes, longer if possible. And what you're doing is you're paying attention more and more to your breath. Now you may start to feel other bodily sensations. You're, you want to scratch, you feel a pain in your shoulder, your stomach's rumbling. So many things will happen. The trick is to disregard those. Just be a witness. See those things happening. Observe those things and come right back to the breath. So here is where mindfulness in its form can be very akin to meditation. In meditation, we are in, encouraged to do the same thing. We want to focus on the object of our meditation and disregard other things. Not by forcing them out, but just by ignoring them and bringing ourselves back to the attention of what we're focusing on. I hope you're staying with me on this. And if this is going over your head a little bit, don't worry. We'll go on this in more detail. You can ask more questions in this live and we'll cover this in more detail at our retreat coming up. So don't worry. So to recap, tune into your body to practice mindfulness by being in the now. Turn off all your devices and distractions. Focus on your breath going in and out. And notice the rhythm of your breath as it goes in and out. Try that for two to three minutes. If you're already doing this, increase it to five to ten. The longer you can do it, the more profound and the deeper the level of intuition and insights and healing that we will get. Trust me, we've been doing this for years and we've seen it time and time again. Okay, method number two. Practice guided or mantra meditation. So guided or mantra meditation is another form of mindfulness. Guided meditation simply means that you're listening to an external voice coming in through uh, wonderful apps, right? There are plenty of apps like that. Um, on um, my, There are so many apps you can buy that do this. Insight Time is a great one, for example, where you listen to a guided meditation and that guided meditation is the voice that you're focusing on and you're following the instructions of the narrator of that guided meditation. And again, you're turning off your distractions, your other devices. You may use a phone, but then all other disturbances are stopped. You're not, you're in do not disturb mode. Your doors are closed. Family members are not allowed to disturb you. You're not walking and doing stuff. You're just in a quiet space. That then becomes a guided meditation. By the way, we have a great guided meditation. Check out the Urban Spirituality Podcast by myself, Prash. And we've got a couple of really nice guided meditations that we have on that. Just Google that. The second form of guided meditation is mantra meditation, where you inject a mantra. Many of you are familiar with the sound Om, right? Om, the universal sound of the universe as it's known. It's a universal, non-religious sound that is regarded as a primordial sound of creation. Om. A lot of NASA publications talked about how the sound and the frequency that's generated is very similar to the ancient sound of Orm. Um, really insightful stuff, but not the purpose of this session here. So chanting a mantra like Orm or chanting a mantra, a mantra means uh, to free the mind. So you're chanting a mantra, a scientifically proven sequence of words. And I say scientifically, metaphysically proven sequence of words that are 
proven through the antiquities of time to bring the mind into a calm state. So I'm not talking about chanting Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. Uh, I'm not talking about chanting Kardashian, Kardashian, Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. I'm talking about chanting powerful mantras that have been descended or passed on through eons and that are practiced by people of spiritual tradition. So that's another way to bring yourself into this mindful state where your focus is then purely the sound of the mantra. Unlike guided meditation where somebody is narrated and you're hearing that. With mantra meditation, you're doing the chanting, you're repeating the mantra and you're hearing yourself. Again, you're tuning in and becoming mindful to that and shutting out external phenomena. I hope that makes sense. The third way I want to share about how we can get more mindful is to do nothing deliberately. So schedule in doing nothing time. Let me explain that. Seemingly trivial things that you do, seemingly trivial things, literally you can start doing them very consciously. So for example, when you go for a walk, literally smell the roses when you go out for a walk. Look at them. We're in autumn right now, right? So you can look at the autumn colors of the leaves. You're focusing your senses, engaging as many of them as possible in those surroundings. You're disengaging from talking. So that's the one sense. You're not using your tongue to do anything, but you're focusing. You're primarily using your eyes, your ears, and your sense of smell to bring about that mindful state by being bring yourself into the now. You're noticing the colors of the leaves. You're smelling the fragrances of the autumn air, right? You're hearing the sounds of the birds. And it sounds all very la-di-dar and poetic. But you know, and I know, that a hundred years ago, stress, anxiety, and all these other mental disorders were nowhere near as high as they are today. And interestingly, the amount of time spent outdoors walking and connecting with nature was a lot higher then than it is now. Any coincidence? I'll leave you to decide that. But for sure, scheduling doing nothing time and involving our senses in a seemingly really simple, trivial way can be amazing. Spend time in nature. Listen to the birds. Sit by your window and just take five minutes in your office to just look outside and just look at the clouds roll by. What you're doing is you're training the senses to switch off from thoughts and focus on one sense or two senses and focus on one phenomena. And by doing so, you're bringing a mind into a single point of state. Again, you're encouraging mindfulness. Here's another one. How many of you drink tea or coffee, right? Whether it's herbal tea or any other tea. Here's a simple one. Try waiting for that cup of water to boil without doing anything else. No watching your phone, no checking your messages, no talking to a colleague. Just focus, just wait and just be with yourself while that kettle is boiling, literally, or while your food is heating. Just be with yourself. A third idea, a third idea eat alone. Eat. Alone. Sorry, guys, a slight problem with the podcast here. Eat alone. Just try to eat alone by yourself. Stay focused on what you're doing. No books, no devices, just focus on the food. Does it sound boring? Yeah. But is it going to be insightful? Sorry, guys. Um, I'm back again. There was a problem there with that. So just to recap again, schedule doing nothing time. This is the third way of bringing in mindfulness um, I wanted to share. So number one, do seemingly trivial things. Take a walk through nature. It's autumn. It's a great time. <clears throat> and hone in on your sense of touch sorry you're honing in on your sense of sight your hearing and your smell to 
take in what nature has connect with nature and focus on that so that brings you mindfulness and brings you in the present you're not engaged in the conversation on the phone or with any other human being this is important do it alone spend time in nature alone for a little while 10-15 minutes for a walk and just notice nature no other connections with no other human being secondly I said trivially, if this is an example, wait for a cup of tea or coffee to boil or your food to heat with while doing nothing else. No conversations, no checking your emails, just be. Thirdly, eat alone. No distractions, no phones, no TVs, not even a book, not even writing. Just focus on the act of eating and how that food passes through you. Is it boring? Probably. Will it be insightful? Will you notice how emotions and negative thoughts come up? Hell yeah. And I've been through this, right? I've sat, tried eating and I found it so hard to just sit and eat by myself. I was so used to the company, but to eat by myself without other stuff, which is what most of our comfort blankets are, is such a profoundly valuable thing. Trust me, it's worth doing. Thirdly, I want to talk about, fourthly, I want to talk about unitasking. So unitasking is literally for example, make your chores more mindful. Stay focused on the task at hand If you're and avoid multitasking. If you're hoovering, just hoover. Don't be on the phone. Don't listen to anything. Just be. Now, at the same time, I'm a big fan of productivity. That's one of my things. As a productivity coach, I love to encourage people to listen to podcasts and do stuff whilst they're doing other stuff. And that's great. But for the purposes of cultivating mindfulness, practice doing your chores, doing just that. You know, Mr. Miyagi style, I know Alex, you'll love this. Alex loves this. He teaches the wax on, wax off approach, right? Mr. Miyagi, the karate kid. All you're doing is focusing on waxing on and waxing off that car. All you're doing is focusing on hoovering that staircase. All you're doing is focusing on washing up. You're not chatting to anyone and you're just noticing the sound of the water. You're noticing the sensation of the heat of the water running across you, the wetness on your hands, the soapiness of the liquid. And what you're doing is you're injecting and investing your senses into that which is happening now, the present, not the past, not the future. And when you start to do that, you free yourself from anxiety for that stuff which hasn't happened and regret, which is the stuff that has happened already. And thereby we release a whole bunch of emotional energy that was being wasted in the past or in the future and we bring it forward to now. If it's no coincidence, have you ever noticed how children are typically full of energy? They're like no matter, Jidich don't seem to get tired. Why? Because they're not regretting about the past or getting anxious about the future. They're staying in the present. Such a powerful thing. So focus on being in the presence when you're doing your tasks. Unitask. Just do that one task at hand. And lastly, the fifth tip I want to leave for being mindful and bringing mindfulness into our lives is about going on a consumption diet. Now, I won't go into detail on this because I love showing this and sharing deeper insights on our course. But let me give you an insight. Choose what your digital consumption is. Become more choosier about what you're consuming through media. You might want to switch off some of those feeds that are not serving you. Stop tuning into the news so frequently, which is generally stuff with negative stuff. So reduce the amount of digital consumption that you have. Tick off some of those feeds. Secondly, practice slow shopping. Practice focusing on, for example, buying from more ethical suppliers. So that's going to force you to be Go into a little bit more inconvenience because you could look for those ethical supplies. They might cost more, but ultimately what it's doing, it's reducing your consumption of material goods and you start to get ruled less by the disease of achievement and acquiring, which is actually causing us more to suffer. What did the Buddha say? That there, the biggest cause of sorrow is desire. That's not to say we shouldn't have any desires, but desires need to be moderated. 
that's a whole nother conversation that we could go off into. And I know, Alex, you love talking about that. So uh, we'll save that for uh, Saturday night on our retreat next, next month. Last but not least, seek out or initiate. Seek out or initiate more meaningful conversation. What I mean by that is with your people, your friends, your work colleagues, your family, wherever and whoever you can, try to raise the energy of that conversation. Even if that conversation or those conversations have been trivial or have been somewhat negative or somewhat boring, you can play a role. You can be the architect in changing the energy of that conversation. Raise the vibration of the conversation. Talk about something that's more uplifting, more empowering. And you know what? If you can't do that, and if you can't do that, if you can't reverse or avoid, then just avoid those people. Avoid that situation. And don't indulge with people who regularly indulge in negativity. Don't indulge them. And so what you're doing is you're having a bit of a diet with the people around you. You're seeking out more meaningful conversations or you're being the initiator, the architect of those. And as you do so, you're raising the consciousness of those conversations. And by investing in more meaningful conversations, you're allowing your mind to expand in its level of thinking and its frequency. And by the way, folks, we could go into a whole whole separate session on the energy and vibrations associated with all our emotions. And there's a whole scale, right? Then there's a line that goes across the middle. There are emotions that are disempowering and negative that take and suck energy away from us. And then there are emotions that are mildly positive to highly euphoric, and they invest and inject us with energy. And this is a whole separate conversation. But just be mindful here that we need to start to have better conversations. So there you have it, folks five different ways in which we can start to bring in mindfulness into our own lives. Hey folks, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And as with all our episodes, found something to inform, inspire and empower you in your personal and spiritual journeys in life. As always, feel free to leave a little love for your ratings and comments, subscribe and share it with those you care about. And take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our unique events, workshops, or retreats, or taking advantage of our personal and professional coaching packages. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality, and we will catch you on the next episode.